today is as we've been going through the book of Acts, um, we're going to we're going to continue. Today is unfortunately our last sermon in the book of Acts. Um, it's uh, there's there's so much more that's happening in the book that I'm that I'm going to be able to get to, um, but. I wanted to to uh, to just go over a little bit of what we've done. We've we've talked about the kerygma, which is the spoken word of God um, to to people to hear the good news. Um, and so this message happens seven times in the book of Acts. We've spoken about um, we've spoken about the church's uh, mission and and what they were what they were doing. Um, and and we've spoken about empowered speech. That the Holy Spirit gives us words that are powerful, that change the reality around us. And so I wanted to, uh, we're going to, to close out the sermon series actually talking about one of the struggles of the early church. And it's an important thing that we pull out because as we talk about struggle, we actually have to realize that it wasn't just struggle in the early church, but the same struggles that plagued the church, you know, just 30 years, 20 years after Jesus rose again are the same struggles that we carry today. They're, they're so much of the same tensions and the same, the same hardship that we go through as a church body and as a community. And so it's really important that we place this um, not just in its historical context, but also for today as we think about Promise Church and where God is leading this church and where God is growing and developing this church and uh, and and so, as as they say, uh, the struggle is real, um, and it, it really is. So today, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, rude innuendo, no, don't do that. Um, you could text them the uh, the message box um, on at the bottom of the today's message, the pink tab on your tablet, you can actually just text and it'll go uh, straight to the back and at the end of the message, I will be able to, to read off what you have uh, put in, what, have you, what you've contributed in the sermon today. And so that's more than welcome um, to do. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get into some of the question and, and what's happening in the struggle in this early church. Uh, the big part of what's going on is what do we do with people who are not the same as us? What do we do with, with a church community of people who every single community, it's social behavior, you know, birds of a feather flock together. We, we, we gather together around common things. And so, so there's a certain homogenous look to every single community. And, and the Jews in the first century, they had experienced that and had been affirmed again and again and again. And, and the, the early church has a calling to go into all the world and preach this good news. And, and the Holy Spirit has been doing, in, in the historic setting, the Holy Spirit's been doing amazing work and great things are happening and all kinds of people are coming to Jesus. Super exciting, except for the people that are coming to Jesus don't look like, sound like, act like, or know the same thing that the people that started off were. 
And so, so there's, there's a tension there. There's a social tension going on that's, that's ridiculously hard to manage. It's ridiculously hard to say, oh, yeah, you know, we, churches, <laughs> I love churches. Um, we want to be completely welcoming. And we are. We're so welcoming in so many ways. Yay, us. We're so, we have coffee, guys. It, it's what's more welcoming than coffee. Um, but, but, then, but then the hardship, the struggle, is what happens when somebody comes in who is not like us. What do you do? And so this is, this is what's happening. This is what's happening in the text that we're about to read. It's, it's, an, it's a story of culture shock. It's a story of like, how do we handle this? What is God doing? Because God changes some of the, some of the rules. And so we're going to get right into it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're reading today from Acts chapter 15. It is called the Council of Jerusalem. Or the Jerusalem Council, depends on your version. I read from the ESV, and today we're going to read uh, Acts 15, 1 to 21. But some men came down from Judea, and they were teaching the brothers, unless you were circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who were, part of, who were a party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate... Peter stood up and he said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our, forf our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, as will they. And all the assembly fell silent, they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. 
Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it's written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble the Gentiles who turn to God, but we should write them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from what's been strangled by blood. For from the ancient generations Moses had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogue. Whoa, okay. Crazy story. This is one of the one of the stories in the New Testament that speaks of the conflict that happens in church. Um, this is this is addressing the fact that that yeah okay God God established the church, but there is such a thing as conflict inside of any 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 human organization, any even God-breathed organization, and there's conflict. And, and so even recorded in our scripture, there is conflict. And the conflict is, is very clear. Who is in and who is out? Who is, who is allowed to be in the community? And who is, who is not allowed to be in the community? Who has not gone through the rights, the proper rights and the proper steps of inclusion to be allowed in. And so the, uh, this, is, this is what's what's going on. See, the Pharisees say that there is a preset tradition that comes from God that includes people in. It happened to be circumcision. And so they, they resort to, um, oh, sorry, that's what, that's what the Pharisees say. You must be circumcised to be in. And Peter, Paul, and Barnabas say, but look at what God is doing. Look at the evidence of what God is doing right now. If God is filling them with the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders are following, then it seems to make sense that God has okayed them to be in. And so, so we have two biblical stances. Both these groups are considering the Word of God very well. The first group is referencing back to Exodus. Exodus 12 48, which is marked in my Bible right at the beginning because that's where Exodus is, I heard. Someone told me that. Um, Exodus 12 48 says, if a stranger shall, uh, shall sojourn with you and would like to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. This is an exclusion statement. It is a biblical founding principle for the people of Israel to exclude those who are not circumcised. So, so this, is, 
it's very biblical. There is a lot of theological work done around that. And so the Council of Jerusalem is saying, this is what we look at. Here's how we know if somebody's in. If they've been circumcised, the men have been circumcised, they're in, they're good, that's it. The, the other side, they're looking at the evidence of what God is doing. And they're saying, oh, but we need to consider Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 is a very important chapter for the early church. And it says, and it will come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Joel 2, 32, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord says, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. So they're looking at this and going, God is doing something that is amazing, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved, that, that there is a wide open peace. And even when you consider Jesus's words, when he left, he said, go into all the nations, go speak the word to the Gentiles, all the nations. And so, so there's this blowing up of the tradition there's this, Jesus has come and he's changed everything and he's blowing up the tradition. And he's saying, we're going we're gonna to alter the foundation. We're going to change what it means to be in and what it means to not be in. And this causes quarrels and it causes fights. So I've been around church long enough to know that this tension is very real in the church today. I've, I've preached a, a couple of sermons that talk about the way that, that people who don't come from a church background can struggle to find themselves included and invited into a church because there is so often this presumption of, well, you, you have to know our ways and you have to do it this way and you have to do it this way. And, and if you don't do it according to our traditions and our methods, well, you're not, you're clearly not, you know, devoted to following Jesus. And so this is exactly what the council is, is dealing with. Um, there are a couple of interesting points about this. They're both using scripture, but Paul, Peter, and Barnabas had this revelation of God. They're seeing the Holy Spirit do awesome things out in the world with the people who weren't being included into the synagogue, into the, into the church structure of that day. And they're seeing all of these miraculous events happening and they had the choice. They had a very real choice that we have to make. They could say, God vindicates and validates my experience. I am right, regardless of what you think. They could have gotten very righteous about themselves. And they could have said, we are going to separate from all of you people who think otherwise. They could have said, it doesn't matter what you think. I'm just going to go do my own thing because God's on my side. But they didn't. They were willing to sit in the discussion. They were willing to submit to the rule of the larger church. They were willing to get involved in the discussion and say, okay, what are we doing here? What are we... What, how do we decide with this? When scripture is, 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 is in tension with us, what are we going to do? And so they, instead of being kind of a maverick, 
kind of mean like, well, I'm done with the system. The system's broken. I'm out. I'm going to go do my own thing. They were like, no, God is calling us to not just affirm the Gentiles, but also unite with the church body. Uniting with the church body, investing in systematic changes. The only way we really know God is through the culmination of all of his actions. The only way we actually know God, any of us, the only way we know God is through the culmination of his actions. And guess what? My individual experience of God's actions do not create the, the cumulative amount of God's action. When I am able to start to see that, yeah, I have an experience with God, it's over here. And this is, you know, God is, God is doing wonderful things and signs and wonders and, and, and God's speaking to me and all these awesome things are happening. We know God through the culmination of his action, which means your voice is important and your voice is important and your voice is important because when we start to hear what God is doing in your life and your life and your life and your life and your life, and then we look back at the church and say, oh, God has been doing this all the way along. Now we know God is faithful and God has been doing things. So, so the importance that, that Peter, Paul, and Barnabas show us at this point of conflict was to say, no, you come into relationship with everybody else. And we together discuss, we together say, what is God doing and what are we learning about God here? We know God through the, through the work of what he is doing. We know him through the culmination of all his actions. And the Bible gives us a great foundation for the culmination of God's actions. The other piece is that witness, and it's on the screen, witness is vital to the continuation of the gospel. Because, this is a really big point, we spend a lot of time talking about how we tell people about Jesus, how, how are people going to hear, what, and, and so we use Bible, but what comes alongside the Bible, which can come across sounding wooden and arbitrary, sometimes it depends on how it's presented, um, we also bring in our witness. Our witness of what we've seen God do affirms that God is indeed not done yet. Guys, God is not done in, in Bradford. God is not done in your town. God is still working. And this witness is so important. When it really comes down to it, all of our theological understanding comes from witness. All of it. People before us have witnessed what God is doing. They have witnessed it and they've said, God in the person of Jesus came and did great works and died and rose again. You see the word witness. If you were to do like a concordance search or an or a internet search for the word witness in the Bible, you see it all over, all over the Bible. And we were witnesses of these things. We saw this with our own eyes. We understand God because of what God did. The foundational witness was the witness of what God did to Israel coming out of Egypt. Everything was rooted in that experience. So it was a witness. Now we look at it as, histo as history. 
but originally it was witness. Children, tell it to your children so that they can tell it to their children's children. Everything is about, my grandpa saw this. My, my mother saw that. My younger sibling experienced this. And it gets recorded in Scripture, and God's person is revealed through the witness of his people. So despite our varying experiences, despite our varying experiences, God calls us to contribute to the pool of witness of what he is doing. Speak boldly about what God is doing in your life. Because as we, as we start to put our finger on it, if I say, hey, you know, God's really been working through this, this idea of, of uh, I don't know, growth in this area. God's, God's working through in me this idea of growth, and, and I feel really challenged that, that this is something that I need to change in my life. And I start talking about that in my Christian community here at Promise Church. Guess what happens? One day I'm talking to my father who's sitting over here. Hi, sorry. Um, <laughs> and I'm talking to him, and, and so, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying, God is doing this. And guess what he says? Huh. God's been doing something like this in me. And all of a sudden, together, we're working together in step because we're paying attention to what God is doing. So we're grounded in Scripture, but we're experiencing the real of what God is doing right now. So in the points of the council, getting back to the text, um, the accusation happens in this council. The, the, big, like, the big struggle happens in verse 5. And I'm, I'm just going to fly through this so that we can keep it in our heads. Very, very simple. Verse 5. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it's necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. So in the church today, people will rise up and say, for them to be in, they have to attain to a certain level of, uh, we might use the word holiness, or we might use the word uh, behavior. You have, to, you have to be at this level for you to be in. This is, this is the exact same argument that's being used in the Jerusalem Council. Well, these people have to be accomplishing this in order to be in. And if they don't accomplish this, they cannot be saved. And too often in the church, we use this Jerusalem Council argument against new Christians from inclusion. We can say too often, well, they didn't kick that habit fast enough and they can't be in. They didn't do, they didn't, uh, they didn't accommodate my sense of my interpretation of Scripture, so I'm going to ignore that God is actually working here, and I'm going to say they can't be saved. And in the council, they said, no, 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 no. When we see that God is working, when we see that God is speaking, we say they're in. And in the council, this is what happens with the defense. The defense says, the defense says, I saw God working. I saw God doing things. With my own eyes, I saw God changing that person's heart. I saw God, I saw him doing work. And they're pleading for these people to be allowed in. And it's messy. But when you start to see somebody and you say, I see God working in you, you stand as the defense attorney for that person. And you say, no, I'm seeing God do work. 
God's not done with that person. God is working with that person. And we see God do his work in his time. And God is faithful. He does it. So the decision is made. The decision is made in verses 13 to 21 when James gets up and he's like, no, you know what? God is doing things. He's rebuilding the tent that's fallen. And he does something. He does something here. And he says there, there is a, there's a distinction that's made. God is doing work. They are included. It is okay. Now, our job is to counsel them to not fall into pagan practices. To not fall into to the way they were, they were living before where they were trying to please the God that they thought where they were trying to reach out under their own means to, to do it. And so that there are three areas that, that get picked out here. And this is really, really interesting. He says, he says um, things that are polluted by idols, sexual immorality, and what's being strangled from blood. Okay, these are really important points. All of these refer to temple worship of the pagan gods. All of these are saying, you shall have no other god before me. These are, these are points tied directly to the culture of the Gentiles that says, that says there's food that's offered to gods that are not gods. And if you're going to follow God, and if God is working in your life, then you need to acknowledge God as God and not allow anything else to pull you back towards you trying to impress God. Sexual immorality, oftentimes tied to cult prostitution. And so you've got the temple prostitution that's happening, the, the sexual immorality that's going on in, in the world. And it's like, this is a way of them trying to get to their God, their cultural God. In our cultural, sexual immorality is rampant. And in many ways, we actually do worship a sex God. It's not formal, it's not, it's not institutional, but it exists in our culture. And so, so God is doing something there. And he's saying, he's saying, no, that God is not God. And so we're called to say, yeah, you're in. The living God is doing work in your life. And it's not that God. It's this God, the person who comes and loves us genuinely. And the last one is, is, uh, is, is in how the blood is dealt with in an animal you know, what's being strangled um, and from blood. And so this is, this is again, you know, a, about pagan practices and how, you would, and how you kill the meat and you do it properly. And so God is saying, have no other gods but, my, but me. If I'm at work in your life, if God is at work in your life, God is calling you to put aside all other gods, all other cultural gods, and say, only God through the person of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's doing the work. And, and it's not a, oh, well, you didn't get here and you didn't get here and you didn't get here and so you're not in. It's a turning of your heart that says, God, the way I did my life before, pursuing approval from others, from cultural gods, that's not what I'm going for anymore because you're doing something. You're changing my life. And our life centers around the person of Jesus Christ. This is the out and in. This is, this is the difference maker. God makes no distinction between what culture you were in, 
what person you were, your level of behaviorism. And the discussion of in and out has plagued the whole church. But when we, when we start to see that faith, the belief that God is doing something in my life, I can see it. When we start to see that faith is the qualifier, we start to say, there's something that's got to change in my life. Something's got to change in my life. And so this is what Jesus calls us to. Do we believe that Jesus is the ruler of the world? If so, something changes. Do I trust Jesus with my life? If so, just something changes. If you do these things, you're in. And the proof of the early church that they saw was God's doing something. We could see the transformation. We could see it. Holy Spirit fills people. So I'm going to invite Pastor Devin to come up. He's going to close us out with a song. We're running a couple minutes late, but um, that's okay. We'll finish off with a song. I believe that at Promise Church, the standard of who is allowed in is simply this. Everyone. Everyone's allowed in because here's what I believe about God. Actually, I just need to check. Were there text messages, Devin? There was one. I'm going to just see if John has got that, and I'm going to answer that. Um, but the truth is God is at work in every single human being. The Holy Spirit has been shed abroad, and God is at work calling people. God, by his spirit, is calling people. And when somebody says, I see it, and they start to see the living God, they come into a community, and we start to say, yep, that was God. That was God. That was God. And the narrative and the revelation of God, because we know God through his actions, starts to become real. Is this the idea of iron, ironing sharpen, iron sharpening iron Sorry, um, from, from Proverbs? Absolutely. This is our story where, where God takes us to a whole other level of experience with him. So I'm going to pray. God, I just thank you. I thank you that you are, that you are calling us. That what it takes to be in is much less than, than my behavior and all the changes that you, that you bring in me because you do change me. But what it takes to be in is a witness and a faith that you aren't done with me. That you, are, that you love me, that you care for me, that you have done the work necessary to see me to who you created me to be in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, I pray that our message as a church would be humble, that we would accept people where they are knowing that, that nobody is too far off. We would accept others where they are knowing that you are doing work, reorienting our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.